Welcome. At the beginning of Parsha's Toldos, we read of the circumstances that preceded the birth of Yaakov and Esau. I'd like to see these psukim and some of the Rashi comments. Um, some of this we'll look at fairly quickly without too much comment, and then one or two Rashis we will go into in depth. First, I should mention that after some heavy-duty praying, Rivka finally conceived. And then it says that the children were misreitzitzim. They were running and they were banging inside of her. And she said, If this is so, literally, why am I? And she went to seek out Hashem. Rashi says, that the children were banging about inside of her. Against your will, whether you like it or not, this Pasuk is saying, meaning this Pasuk is requiring us to use the method of Drush, of Midrash. Why? The Pasuk is, does not specify what exactly was this running or this turbulence in Rivka's womb. And it writes, But then she says, why am I? Now, women, pregnant women, normally feel some movement in their, in their stomachs. They don't want to die. They don't, they don't question their very existence, usually. But here, it seems like it's just a normal amount of movement within a woman's uh, abdomen, and Rivka is, uh, is is going out of her mind. She's saying, why am I? And she's seeking advice. She wants to go to Hashem. So this requires us to apply the method of Midrash. Of course, we see here what we've said so many times, that Rashi really would prefer not to explain things according to Midrash. But sometimes he feels that's the only way. Sometimes he feels that the Midrash is the Pshat. So Rabbi Seinu Dorashuhu L'Shain Ritza. Our rabbis explained that this Hisreitzitzus, this movement that she felt, is an expression of Ritza, of running. When Rivka would walk by the door, literally the doorways of Torah, of shame. Shame, the son of Noyach, had shame and Aver, two, uh, two of the sons. Uh, shame, uh, the son of Noyach, and Aver, his son, they had a yeshiva. They had an academy of Torah study. Exactly what Torah they studied is a good question, but they had an academy of studying God's will. So when she would pass by their yeshiva, so Yaakov Rotz, Yaakov would run. And he would push in order to get out of the womb and to go learn Torah. When Rivka would walk by the doorways of houses of idolatry, so Esav would push and try to get out and try to participate in the festivities. So this was something unusual, and therefore it engendered an unusual response. Of course, this Rashi brings up a, a very important question about Bechira. Did these two fetuses in the womb have Bechira? Did they have free will? 
that this one wanted to learn Torah, this one wanted to do idolatry? Or do we say they did not have free will, but then it's very interesting that Yaakov developed into a, into a tzaddik and into a good person, and Esav developed into a Russia, but then, then it would seem as if they didn't have a choice because this is how they were from the womb. Those are all very good questions. I'm not going to answer them now. Another explanation. The two fetuses were fighting uh, this one with that one. They were quarreling over the inheritance of two worlds, this world and the world to come. So again, this is something extraordinary, and it brought about an extraordinary response. Let's continue with the Rashi. So Rivka said, if so, if the pain and discomfort of pregnancy is so great, so why did I desire so much? And why did I pray so much to become pregnant? This is terrible. She went to seek out in the house of study of shame, Lidresh es Hashem, to seek out Hashem, meaning she was hoping that Hashem, through the medium of Shem ben Noyach, could tell her what's going to be in the end. So, Bayemer Hashem, Hashem said to her, as Rashi points out, this is Al Shliach, Hashem transmitted to her the message through Shem, Shnei Goyim Bivitnech, there are two nations in your stomach. And two kingdoms from your innards will separate. One kingdom will strengthen itself against the other. One, one kingdom will be stronger than the other. And the elder one, the one who will be born first, will serve the younger one. Let's see Rashi. We'll start with this one here. There are two nations in your stomach. Rashi points out, as it is written in the Torah, the word goyim, as it is written in the Sefer Torah, is not gimel vav yud mem, which would be the normal spelling of the word, but rather it is written geyim. The word ge means someone who is very proud, someone who is very noble and proud. So this, so Rashi says, Elo Antoninus Verabi. This refers to Antoninus, one of the Roman empires, emperors, and Rebbe, meaning Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, who was friendly with Antoninus. It did not cease from their table. Not radish, nor chazeris, as we say today, chazeris is romaine lettuce. These are two kinds of vegetables that apparently have uh, fairly short seasons. But they always had it, and they were considered to be delicacies, and they were always to be found on the table of Rabbi, who was a very wealthy man, and on the table of Antoninus, who obviously the emperor of Rome was a very wealthy person. Not in the sunny days, and not in the rainy days. Meaning, the point being that they didn't have refrigeration, you couldn't put things in cold storage, and therefore, Normally, normal people who were not uh, fa fabulously wealthy, they could eat 
snowing at a certain time of year when snow was growing. Maybe for a couple of weeks after that, you could keep it fresh. But after that, no more snowing. And the same thing with Chazeris. But uh, Rabbi and Antoninus were able to import from different places and they were very wealthy. So therefore, you could always get snoin and Chazeris, whether you went to eat at Antoninus's palace or at the house of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Okay, let's continue. Let's go to the next Pesach. So Rivka received a, a prophecy through Shane that uh, she is going to have two children, and they're going to um, they're going to be very great. But they are going to constantly be quarreling to see who, to to determine who is going to be uh, who is going to win the battle between them. Pesach Chavot. Her days were full to give birth, meaning she took this pregnancy to its full term. And behold, there were twins in her stomach. Of course, she had been told before that there are twins in her stomach, but now the word hine means when you see something in front of you. So the midwife and the people standing there, they, they saw that uh, apparently even before the moment of birth, but they saw already that there are two, two babies here. Let's see Rashi. Her days were filled. Now regarding Tamar, Tamar is, Tamar was the uh, woman who married the son of Yehuda. Later she married another son of Yehuda. And later she had a, uh, a connection with Yehuda himself under certain very interesting circumstances, and she conceived twins. So regarding Tamar, later on in Sefer Bracious, Siv, it is written, and it was at the time of her giving birth. Rashi says, in Tamar's case, her days were not filled. In other words, she did not take the pregnancy to a full nine-month term, because in seven months, she gave birth to those two children. Here, it says, her days were full. That means that the pregnancy went a full nine months. Okay. And here it says, and behold, there were twins. Rashi says, the word for twins is lacking. We'll talk soon what it's lacking, but it's lacking some of its normal spelling. Uber Tamar, regarding Tamar, who also had twins, Taimim, there the word is spelled Taimim. Male, it is written full. It's written in the full spelling. Lefi, Shishneim Sadikim, because in Tamar's case, the two children that she gave birth to were both Sadikim. Aval Khan, but here, Echad Sadik, the Echad Rasha. One was a tzaddik, that's Yaakov, and one was a Russia, that's Esau. So therefore it is written, chaser. I'd like to focus on the Rashi's on this Pasuk. On the words, Rashi seems to ask Akashia, why is this different than what it is written by Tamar? Here it says her days were full. By Tamar, it says, it just says it was at the time of giving birth. 
So Rashi answers, here was a full nine-month pregnancy. There it was a shortened pregnancy of seven months. The problem is that we have said many times that Rashi does not normally ask on a Pusik based on something that it says in a later Pusik. Normally, Rashi looks at each Pusik on its own and doesn't expect his reader to know things that are in other Pusukim that come later on. And he himself doesn't usually worry too much about what it says later on. In this case, you could certainly understand that Rashi could have just left the words could have just left them alone. And when he came later, uh, later in uh, Parshas Vayeshev, where it talks about Tamar, and it says, So he could have commented on the difference between the two of them. But there doesn't seem to be anything difficult about the words. So why did he have to comment? So one answer perhaps we can give is that maybe there is something difficult about the words because maybe they're, they're superfluous. Yeah, perhaps the pastor could have just said uh, uh, that uh, that Rivka was was pregnant. She was suffering very greatly from the pregnancy. She went for advice. She found out she, that she's having twins, and it could have said vateled uh, and she gave birth to twins. The words that the comment that her days were the days of the pregnancy were filled. I mean, it's really, uh, it's it's not really, ne apparently not really necessary to say. So perhaps that's why Rashi commented that the Torah here, for some reason, wants to tell us that here it was a full-term nine-month pregnancy. Perhaps. Another answer, perhaps, is that um, in the first print of Rashi, the, the first uh, printed edition of Rashi was printed in the Italian city of Reggio di Calabria, and it was in the year, I believe, 1475. I wrote it down before, and now I don't have it. But it says there, in, in the first print, which is generally considered to be a very excellent edition of Rashi, this first piece of Rashi is not there. And perhaps the reason it's not there is for the very reason that I just said, because really Rashi didn't have to make this comment. This is a un-Rashi-like, an uncharacteristic type of comment for Rashi to make. If one goes to Parshas Vayeshev, one will see that there Rashi does make a comment on the difference between what it says there by Hiba Eislid Ta and what it says here by Yimlu Yameha, but that, that we understand, because there he was already by the second Pasuk, and he was bothered by what, by what we have already learned. But here he is he is learning the first Pasuk, and it's really not characteristic of him to talk about the difference between a first Pasuk and a later Pasuk. So uh, this would seem to support the, the text of the Tfus Rishon, of the first printing, that actually this piece of Rashi should not be here. Let's highlight this, put it in gray, sort of show that it's owned and old and worn out like people with gray hair. Before we proceed, I apologize for some of the background noise. That's just typical Brooklyn construction going on, or perhaps it's one of the gardeners with their leaf blowers, which is the bane of, they're the bane of my existence, but anyway, we have to deal with it. 
Now, let's go to the next Rashi. Behine Soimim, behold, there were twins in her belly. Rashi says, Chaser, the word Taimim is written, Chaser, it is written with some missing letters. Over Tamar, and be, but regarding Tamar, Taimim, there it's written, so to speak, properly. Mole, it is written in the full form. Lefisha Shnehem Sadikim, because there, both of the children that she gave birth to were Sadikim. Avokan, Echod Sadik, the Echod Rasho. Here, one was a Sadik and one was a Russia. And here I'd like to raise two questions. First of all, I have mentioned in the past, I mentioned it just a couple of weeks ago, that it is not Rashi's habit to comment on words that have either an extra vav or yod or are missing a vav or a yod, what we call ksiv, chaser, or yatir, what the academics call perfect or, or defective spelling. Rashi does not usually get involved with it. The truth is, there are hundreds of words scattered about the Torah, which either could use an ex, could use another yud or, or 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 have an extra yud, which really is not necessary. And there are svarim that talk about it, but Rashi does not consider it to be part of the shot of the pasuk. Really, in 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 the vast majority of places, either spelling is is acceptable, and therefore he doesn't usually comment on it here. He's commenting on why the word taimim is chaser. Why is it lacking? We'll see in a minute what it is lacking exactly, but it definitely is not spelled like this word, taimim, that we find later by Toma. That's not question number one. Question number two is that, again, Rashi here seems to be asking on this pasuk based on what he saw in a later pasuk. He seems to be concerned about why here the word for twins is spelled soimim with just a few letters. And why is it later? But later in the Pasuk about Tomar in Parshas Vayesha, it's written with two more letters. He seems to be bothered by a later Pasuk, which, as we know, is not his usual way of doing things. Before we answer why Rashi gets involved in a, in a Ksiv Chaser. And before we answer, or attempt to answer, why Rashi is involved with a question based on a later Pasuk, let's first think about what exactly does Rashi mean when he says that this word is Chaser. There are three possibilities, even before we open up any safer, there would seem to be three possibilities. One possibility is that he's concerned about the lack of an Aleph. It should be tit. Omim. Another possibility is that he's bothered by the lack of a yud between the two mems, te'omim, because plural is usually indicated by yud mem, if it's a, a masculine noun. Or, that's that's possibility number two. And possi possibility number three, that he's, that he's concerned about both. In fact, all three of these possibilities are found in the Mephoshim. There is a sefer called Paneach Raza. Paneach, like the, the, the name that was given to Yosef. Safnas Paneach. Hey, I and Nun Ches. So that, that uh, word, that name, Safnas Paneach, or Rashi himself, says that Lifaneach, Paneach is uh, it's probably an Egyptian word, but it means to solve a mystery. So Paneach Raza, uh, the author of this sefer, who was Rabbi Yitzhak 
Bar Yehuda Halevi, he named his Sefer Paneach Raza, the, the solution of mysteries. Uh, he was uh, one of the Balitaisvis. He lived in the 13th century. I don't think a whole lot else is known about him. He's a very, very interesting Sefer. It's not directly a super commentary on Rashi, although in many cases he does comment on, and, and um, ask questions and give answers about Rashi. But it is full of all kinds of Ramazim and Gematrias and uh, and also Pshat and also Midrash. It, it's quite a fascinating Sefer. I don't have a, a hard copy of it. It is available on HebrewBooks.org. In any case, he explains that Rashi's question about the word Saimim is that it's missing two letters. It's missing an Aleph and it's missing a Yud. It should be Te-O-Mim. And he explains that there's a significance. What's the, what is Yud Aleph in Gematria? Yud Aleph is 11. He explains there is a medrash which appears in a number of different places that really Rivka should have had 12 children and they should have been the 12 tribes of Israel. Only what happened when she gave birth to Esav, Esav gave her some sort of a kick and he wounded her in such a way that she could not have any more children. So Rivka only had one child who became part of Kalah Yisrael. She really should have had 11 more. That's what it means here that the word Saimim is chaser. It's chaser yud aleph. It's missing 11. She's giving birth to one child, which would have been, should have been the first of another 11. But she's chaser. She was missing the other 11 children. It's a beautiful explanation, fascinating explanation, and, and we can think about what it means that Asaph was the cause of her not being able to have more children. But I don't think we have to think very hard to realize that this is not the pshat in Rashi, for the simple reason that Rashi doesn't say it. it, it it's very difficult to, to say that that's what Rashi means here. Okay. Radak... Rabbi David, Rabbi, Rabbi David Kimchi, who always sticks very closely to the simple meaning of the Pasuk. He says that the word Saimin is missing an Aleph. He doesn't seem to be bothered by the lack of a Yud, that it looks like Saimam or Saimum or something. The fact that the Yud is not there, that doesn't seem to concern him. But he says the Chaser, the lack is in the Aleph. That's really a major part of the word. And therefore, that's that's what Chazal were concerned about, was that lack of an olive. Of course, we can ask on the Radak, okay, so the word is missing an olive. How did that indicate to Chazal that one here was a tzaddik and one was a Russian? This question, I think the Gur'arye talks about, uh, I'm not sure. Not exactly sure how to read what he says. I'm giving you uh, some advice if you want to find out about it. Take a look at the Gorari and, and see if you think that's what he's asking. But anyway, Radak says that uh, what's lacking in this word Saimim is primarily the Aleph. The Sefer Zikoran, which is a super commentary on Rashi, written by, I believe his name was Rabbi Avraham Bakrat, 
who was one of the Megurshe Svarad. He was one of the Jews who was expelled from Spain in 1492 or approximately close to that date. He writes that what's really missing from this word Saimim is the Yud, what he calls the Yud Haribui, the Yud which indicates the plural. He doesn't seem to be bothered by the Aleph. Uh, there is a Rashi, which I I neglected to look up. There is a Rashi somewhere that says sometimes an Aleph can be left out of a word because an Aleph doesn't really have its own sound. So it's the same whether the Aleph is there or not. So that doesn't seem to be a concern. But what is the concern, according to Sefer Zikarain, is the Yud Haribur, the Yud which indicates plurality. And this we can understand now why that indicated to Chazal that one son, one child here was, was going to be a tzaddik and one is going to be or already is a Russian. Because it's as if to say that the, sec the, the other one, the second one, Asa, it's like he's not here at all. He, he's not important. One son is really a son. The other one is... As they say, as we say in the Gemara, command the lesser, like someone who's not here. And based on this explanation, I think we can answer our questions. Although it's true that Rashi does not usually comment on Ksiv Chaser, but that's where, for example, a Yud might be missing from somewhere in the middle of a word, where Yud might be part of the Shirish of the word. There, Rashi will, will let it go. Here, where it's the Yud Haribui, it's the Yud which indicates plural. I mean, if it's plural, it has to be written in plural. I mean, that's a that's something that can't be left off. That's something that's that's a very glaring omission. If it's missing the Yud that indicates that there are two children here, and simply certainly the the simple understanding of the pasuk is that there are two children here. That's what the Navi told uh, Rivka that she's going to have two children. So why would the Torah write? in such a way that it does not indicate plural. That is a question that Rashi had to address. What is Rashi's answer? But before I come to the answer, this that he mentions Tamar, by whom it says that's not part of the question. That's part of the answer, as I'll explain in a moment. Rashi's question was, if she's going to have twins, how could it, she was, it was predicted by the Navi, she's going to have twins. Then how could the Pusik tell us a word, Saimim, which is not plural? That's his question. His answer is, Chazal, who don't mind asking on an earlier Pusik based on a late Pusik. The Midrash and the Gemara do it all the time. This is Rashi's own rule, as I've explained many times. But the, the Gemara, the Midrash, no problem. So the, 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 the Midrash, which doesn't mind, does ask a question. Why by Tomer does it say Taimim? Whereas here it says Saimim, without the Yudha Riboy. And Chazal answer, because by Tomer, Tomer had two tzaddikin, so therefore it is written Malay. But here, where it was Echad Tzaddik, the Echad Rasha, so it is written as if it were, it's written as if it were Lashen Yachid, as if it is singular, as if only one was born. And that is the one who is a tzaddik, the Russia doesn't count. 
that's how I think we can answer these questions on Rashi. But I'd like to follow up, follow up with a question. There seems to be sort of a contradiction between the Rashi on Pasuk Chavay and the Rashi on Pasuk Chavot. Rashi on Pasuk Chavay, Shnei Goyim Bevitnech, tells us that the word Goyim is written Geyim, and it means two proud people, Rabbi and Antoninus, who were extraordinarily wealthy, and they were, there was a constant struggle between the children of Esau and the children of Yaakov, and one will become stronger than the other, and then the other will become stronger than the first one. What Shem Benayach seems to have told Rivka is that she is carrying within her womb two giants, two titans. Okay. And what is Rashi telling us here? And the word Saimim is written without the normal indication, without the normal letters that indicate plurality, because it's as if only one child was born here. The other one, the Russia, doesn't count. So it sounds like she's not carrying two giants. She's carrying, in fact, not two children at all. She's really only carrying one child. The other one doesn't count. So what is it? Are Yaakov and Esav two giants? Or, are, or, or Yaakov is something and Esav is nothing? I think the answer is quite simple. Like many things in this world, like a lot of things, maybe even most things, I haven't made a calculation, but like a lot of things in this world, the greatness of Esav is illusory. He appears to be a giant who is on equal footing with Yaakov and who struggles in this wrestling match and sometimes gets the upper hand and then other times he is pinned down at least temporarily. He appears to be of equal greatness to Yaakov, but really that's that illusion is expressed in the in the Nevuah in Pasuk Chavhei, but the reality is it's like Rivka only gave birth to one child and that one child is Yaakov and Esav is, is nothing. He's the poof of a, of a cloud. He's nothing. He's an illusion. We see this, in fact, in a Pusik in the Sefer Ovadia, which is going to be next week's Haftarah. Sefer Ovadia is exactly one chapter long, and the whole thing is a is in Avua regarding Esau and his descendants. It begins Hazayin Ovadia, the vision regarding the, the vision of Ovadia the prophet. Koamar Adonoyalokim, so says God. So he says regarding Edom, etc. And the next Pasuk says, Behold, I have made you, Esau, the smallest of all the nations. You are extremely disrespected. It's extremely nothing. What does Rashi say? In contrast to this, that his father, Yaakov, called Esav in a certain place, his big son, his older son, the Emai and his mother also called him, regarding in, in relationship to her, to his mother, Rivka, Esav is called her bigger elder son. In, in, in contrast to that, 
Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Lefanai Kotenu. In front of me, he's small. He's insignificant. Rabbi Seinu Darshu, our rabbis explained, Katan, why is Esav called Katan or Katon? like Sad The Edomite nation, the Esav nation, did not have its own writing. It did not have its own language. They used a borrowed writing system. They used a borrowed language. And Bozui, what does it mean that he is Bozui? They never established a king who was the son of the previous king. We see this also in next week's Parsha, in Parsha's Vayishlach, that there is a lineage there. There is a list of the eight kings of Edom who ruled before the first king of Israel ruled. And you, you will see there, we pointed this out once, that not one of them is the son of the previous king. That's not a sign of strength of a, in a kingdom. In a kingdom that is strong and, and stable, so the king is able to, to give over his, his rulership as a, as a Yerusha, as an inheritance to his son. If he's weak and insignificant, so when he dies, there's nothing there. There's nobody there who could, who could fill his shoes, and they have to go looking somewhere else to find a new king. That's what it was like with Asa. Now, you'll notice here, these points that are being made here by the, 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 the Pasuk and Ovadia, and that are being brought out by Rashi, they're not saying that Asa someday in the future is going to be destroyed is, and is going to be like nothing. They were psukim like that. But these psukim are talking about what Asa is like, what he is like intrinsically, even before his downfall. The fact that they did not have was not something that came about or that will come about in the future when they are defeated. That was a fact that was with them throughout their history. And this that HaKadosh Baruch Hu called him Kotoin, that's, I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's an intrinsic fact. And this that they were Leimamidin, Melech ben Melech, that's recorded in Sefer Bracious. That's not something that's going to happen in the end of days. That's just something that, that happened when they were a young and fresh and, and relatively powerful nation, but really, it's illusory. They're really very weak and very unstable. That's Asav. That's something for us to think about regarding Asav. And it's something for us to think about regarding everything, everything that seems to get in our way in this world. A lot of it is, maybe even most of it, maybe even all of it. I, I won't go so far. But certainly a lot of it, a lot of what's, what seems to stand in our way and what seems to be difficult is illusory. It's a really good illusion. It really does seem to be in our way. I'm not making light of it, but but really, we can succeed. We can move forward, and uh, that that's an important lesson that we that I think we see from these psukim and from these Rashi comments.